Welcome to Saga Ohio, a podcast by fans and players of Saga, the skirmish miniatures game from Studio Tomahawk. For our fourth episode of Saga Ohio, I am joined by Columbus area player Jim Randall. Jim, welcome to the podcast, and thanks for agreeing to be my guest. Hey, Mike. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to talk about the Byzantines. <laughs> All right. So I, I look forward to talking about the Byzantines, too, because I was thinking about playing them, too. Uh, so it's been a while since I've, I've seen you. Uh, what have you been up to lately? Well, you know, with COVID and everything, at the gaming end, it's definitely t- tailored off to almost none. But it seems to be a good time to, uh, you know, buy forces that I normally wouldn't have bought, uh, put them together, and paint them. Which, let's face it, that's something we're going to pretend not to always be the best at. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's true. It's, this has been a good time for people to build up their forces, that's for sure. So um, maybe start us off with uh, telling the listeners when and how you got involved in Saga. Sure. It was uh, several years ago, and it was when uh, it was the first version of it from Tomahawk Studios. So at the time, it wasn't version one; it was just Saga, and uh, it primarily was what we know is now the Age of Vikings, uh, that historic hunt. And there was a tremendous uh, uh, demo game section on it, uh, so much so that like I had a free uh, you know four-hour block. You can the historic hunt. Most of their games are four to eight hours, I should say. Right. So I sat down because there's like you know, it's got a buzz. And it was just fun. Um, the battle boards were obviously was what, what made it just incredibly fascinating. And uh, so I played. And uh, I went to Historicon like you know two years in a row. Uh, and it was there twice as a demo game. And, that, and that's really where I picked it up. Uh, fortunately, came back to Ohio. Uh, not everybody went to Historicon. And of course, those that did, not all of them played uh, Saga. So really, when I came back, there really wasn't really, really anyone to play. So hmm. for me, it kind of went down. Then you started it back up again, but now it's Saga 2, and I thought, oh, no, they've changed everything. I'm going to have to learn all this stuff. But I, I went down to play, and I uh, played with Andy um, in the first game, and he was nice. He's teaching me the rules. And rather quickly, I said, Andy, you know, I, I know you're looking across this table, and you're seeing a new one, but I, I, I've probably played, you know, 15, 16 games. What? <laughs> that was a few years ago, but from what you told me, these rules are really the same. I go, there are some changes, and I go, the changes they made, unlike a lot of times, instead of adding more rules to uh, a system and making it more difficult, they actually streamlined it, which made it easier. I'm very appreciative of that, what Tomahawk Studios did. They must have actually listened to the players who played it. So it didn't take me long. It took me one game to get up on my skis, and after that, yeah, I'm playing. Yeah, okay, well, that explains a lot, because uh, you know I would always record each time we met uh, the who won, who lost, who they played, what the score was, and everything. And uh, you were really rocking from the beginning. I mean, you were you were doing really well. I, I kind of meant beforehand to do my research and, and figure out what your record was so far at Saga, Ohio, but I did just never really uh, had that extra time. But uh, so so you played extensively in Saga in, in Saga version one. Yes, although the cool thing for me was is that uh, in uh, Age of Vikings, you know, it's the late Romans, mm-hmm. and and. Uh, they're, they're actually a slightly different version than the Byzantines I play now uh, in Age of Crusades. Uh, the Byzantines and late Romans are much more uh, a professional army. Uh, for an example, they have the ability to take, uh, as a legendary unit, catapults. Uh-huh. Awesome. 
and which is good, and it has great special abilities, and I remember them cheerfully. Well, I'm playing Age of Crusades, there aren't cataphracts for the Byzantines, because this uh, supposes that uh, the army you're playing uh, was an army that was constructed after the Battle of Manzikur, and that's when the Seljuk Turks uh, beat the uh, Byzantine army, but more importantly, they captured uh, pretty much all of Anatolia, and those were the rich uh, recruiting grounds for uh, their cavalry. And so really, after the Seljuk Turks took that part of Turk, modern Turkey, uh, the Byzantines really didn't, they, had, they still had cavalry, of course, but not to the same robust level. They, they lost the recruiting grounds. Of course, the, the empire shrunk significantly. They just didn't have the money to equip them like they used to. And, and that's what, again, I really like about this game, because if you're playing Byzantines after the Battle of Massacre, you don't have those, that legendary unit cataphracts, because you, you really shouldn't. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and, and I do think the last Roman uh, list from Age of Vikings has a completely different feel than the Byzantine list. Now, now, mind you, I haven't played on, I haven't played against the Byzantines or, or with the Byzantines yet, but I have played against the last Romans a few times. And pretty much without, you know, without fail, everybody that plays last Romans uses that big cataphract unit and generally uses that legendary unit. Uh, Bob Boggs, who I know you've played against before, yeah. actually uses the the legendary cataphract eight-man unit. And that's, I mean, that's three points. That's half his army. And uh, he certainly bloodied my nose once when he charged into the woods and completely destroyed one of my eight-man warrior <laughs> no. levy units. <laughs> back, quote-unquote, back when I was playing first edition, that was what I did. Um, and I do know Bob very well and played him several times. But I, I laughed at Bob. I said, Bob, you, you, I know what your army wants to do. He's like, what are you talking about? I've played it a million times. I go, I know what you want to do. And he laughs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a great opponent to play. I really enjoy he playing is. against Bob. He's a great Bob. guy. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you've started in talking a little bit about the history of the army. And, uh, I, you know, thanks for bringing up the Battle of Manzikert. Because I actually, when I teach my students about the Byzantine Empire, we talk about that, how... They came to rely on mercenaries. So uh, what else do you want to talk about the historical background of, of the army? Well, again, I think um, Tomahawk Studios, which I'm very impressed with, just really does their homework. Um, when you look at the mercenaries available to the Byzantines, you're talking Western Knights, which could be uh, European or Armenian, which both were at times uh, mercenary units in their army. Uh, also, you're looking at the Turkopoles, Eastern Horsemen, uh, most of the Eastern Horsemen. Oh, heck. Some of them could be Persian, renegade troops. Others could be you know, Arabs from the south. Again, horsebone. So you do have this feel. You do have the ability to customize your Byzantine army to really kind of look like it would have looked at this time period, which was the core, which may only be half or a little more, would be Byzantine. But the rest would be, you know, quite a group. And then, of course, everyone's favorite, the Brungian Guard, which uh, in the mm -hmm. beginning actually started out being uh, Rus. Vikings, but actually after the Battle of Hastings, you also had a large uh, amount of Anglo-Saxons. Hey, we, they lost to the Normans. They weren't, they weren't wanted in England anymore, so the nobility and their, uh, some of their followers actually fought for the Byzantine Empire. So it's, it's a fun time, and you got a lot of things in mix. And of course, if you want to follow the history through uh, the Byzantines and Age of Crusaders, you also can take crossbowmen. And to me, this best represents the, uh, for example, the Venetians. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, the Italian city-states and whatnot, with pretty good crossbow mercenary units. Uh, they weren't, they were, don't think of them as state troops. Think of them more as pseudo-independent mercenary troops. You know, they, of course, they had a love of Venice, but, you know, they chased the gold. So, yeah. again, I think, you know, 
it's just done so well, and I really, really enjoy how they've incorporated these things. And uh, the crossbowmen that you see on the army list, actually in the Byzantines, shows you that you know it was pretty, pretty common for them to have some you know mercenary crossbow. Okay. Versus right. if you want to take turquoise, they're seen more as a wild and wooly guy because you know they're a mercenary and they, they they can't use all the functions on the battleboard, so they're not really. Yeah, they're part of the Byzantine army, but they're not training with them. And, you know, it's kind of an ad hoc relationship. Like, hey, you good this spring? Sure. Then they might go, then they go home. <laughs> right, yeah. And it's, it's interesting how there's, it's almost like there's two levels of mercenaries in the Byzantine army list. There's the ones who are actually part of the troops. Like, if you use uh, your hearth guard mounted that don't have bows, uh, they're saying that they're possibly like Hungarians or Western Knights or something like that, but, but you're going to be able to use all your abilities. Or you could actually go out and purchase the mercenaries that are in the book. Um, and the, kind of the same thing with the mounted warriors. You can go out and purchase the, uh, the ones in the book that, uh, you know, that are listed, you know, that are the Eastern horse archer type ones, or you can actually just have mounted warriors uh, with bows. Um, so which, which do you do for your army? So maybe that's kind of a good time now to, to give us your composition. Cause that's the thing I'm most curious about, about for how do you build this Byzantine army, Jim? Well, um, again, I was, uh, I knew I'd played before, but I didn't know how much it had changed. Uh, so I played one game with Andy. Uh, I think I played a second game. Uh, where I, I just put a force on the board and played it. Yay. It wasn't that memorable. I just put different things in my army just to see what they would do. Mm-hmm. Not, not like there's no strategy behind it. But a- after about maybe the third game there on, I had I had a set army I played every time. Um, it was two levy units, which I put in the center. I took a horse bowman unit, which would be the warriors. Put, put them on the left. I'm sorry, on the right. I put a hearth guard unit comprised of two uh, build points of hearth guard on the right, or on the left, I should say. Yeah. And then I would take my warlord and take a one uh, build point card, you know, four figures, and put that in the center. At back is my reserve. And this was just a very balanced army. So you got infantry in the center, you got horse bow on the right, you got some hard hitting hard guard with numbers on the left, and then you got small hard guard units to uh, in the center as kind of a reserve. And then, you know, if you really need to, you can throw in the warlord too because you factor with too. Okay, so your two. Um... Two levy units. Are those both 12-man units, or did you break up the 24 figures into smaller 8-man units, or what'd you do? I definitely go with the uh, 12. 12, okay. I don't um, I don't see their function as attacking. Okay. To me, they are like the rock in the storm. I just want them to hold the center. I'm not going to typically invest any order dice in them. I expect them to get attritioned. But there's 12 of them, so mm-hmm. I really don't mind. If people want to waste, you know, round them, okay, go for it. Um, if they ignore them too much, there is this ability on the battleboard called Mixed Formation where I can take Spearmen and basically a moment's notice, nah, they're archers. Right. On top of that, if I use the, the sign of Christ as the icon on my order die, I get plus two dice for each unit next nearby. These become rather potent rather quickly. So yeah. um, it's a good thing. So you've got these two levies, and if you want to, you can you can turn them into really superior bone on a moment's notice. But they're really still spearmen, which means you're getting that four defense weight if you're ever made. Mm-hmm. So again, 
they're 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 there, and their only job is to you know, shoot if there's nothing else going on, but mostly to absorb whatever's going to come. In. And then huh. I have the two wings with basically eight cavalry on each side to take advantage of what I see. It's it's uh, that again is what I really love about this game. It, it's so fluid. Uh, maybe I should take a step back. To me, all war games uh, tactics. Uh, to the basic game we all play as a child. And, I, and I've had people laugh at me several times with this, but to me, it's rock, paper, scissors. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is you're always looking for a mismatch. Now, in games where there's points to build your armies, of course you're going out, you know, the people who designed the game are going out of the way to make the two sides even, right? Fair. Right. Mm-hmm. So to get a mismatch, you have to give somewhere to gain somewhere else. And that's kind of what I look at the cavalry. They're fast. So I can hit someone hard. Or maybe just as importantly, I can move away from someone quickly and not get hit when I don't have advantage. And so that is what I kind of do. So if you can imagine these two levy in the center, and their job is you just hold the center as long as you can. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you, with 24 figures, basically, with the two units in the center, it takes a lot to wipe them out. <laughs> yeah, I would I'm agree. I'm not saying it hasn't been done, but it takes a great effort. <laughs> Then the other two wings, they're, they're, they're deciding where I'm going to attack, where I'm going to fall back. And because they are cast and they move 12, and because the game is based off, you know, order them, you can keep moving them. You, you, you know, it doesn't take much to move 24 inches and launch a, a melee. Yeah, that's true. So I have played games where literally like, okay, one side, the, my opponent has basically, basically decided that they're flank. They got some people there, but they're not going to do anything. You can tell. And I've just swung the cab from the one side over to the opposite side, so I now have two cab units attacking. And that is what gets me the mismatch. Again, rock, paper, scissors. Right. Because you can, you know, you run, you got the horse moment, if you can put him with the heart start, you run up, you take your shot, it's a free shot, mm-hmm. as far as fatigue is concerned, as far as order dice are concerned, because they're, you know, they've got those composite bows, and then you have guard hit. And it's a devastating one-two punch, and, uh, and that's what I really think the game, uh, to me, is. Uh, punch, I think, is the right word. Because uh, just like a heavyweight boxing bout, you've got six rounds. That's it. Mm-hmm. Six rounds, and you have to either destroy your opponent's army, capture livestock, guard away, something. But it's only six rounds. Also, like a heavyweight bout, you know, in the beginning, you land the best punches because you're you know, strong, full of vigor, you're not hurt, you're not fatigued. But as the as the bout goes on, rounds go on, your army is not as strong, and units are, are getting kind of clobbered. They're not producing the same amount of offensive firepower. They are getting fatigued, and their abilities to do things are becoming less and less if they're not physically off the board. Again, this is so well thought out. Opinion. You, you have a combination of different uh, uh, forces that make you have to think. When you go into a game, and I, I know you play all the time, you know that really your best two rounds turns is the first two. After that, you, you're on, I don't care who, who you are, who you're playing, it's just not quite the same anymore. You've right. taken some hits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would agree, and uh, I would say maybe even it's two and three if you're if you're like the first player and you only got three dice. You may just kind of move a little bit with maneuver and, and, and wait till the next turn when you've stocked up your board with your dice and everything. Um, I've done that exact same thing where I've moved the cavalry unit from one side over to the other side 
and then hit him with the the kind of the double hammer. Um, I'm interested that that I've I've been talking on the on the uh, Saga Ohio podcast and saying that I've never seen somebody use the uh, composite bows effectively where I was like, wow, that was really devastating. So you use it mainly to soften up for your hearth guard punch then. Exactly. And, and again, um, that's what I like. One of the reasons I like these rules because historically that's what the Byzantines did. Mm-hmm. They didn't go up with the composite bowman or basically the horse bowman and, and shooting and going back. No. The job was to go up, harass, attrition, get out of the way, and here comes the heavy troops. So on your softening up, do you shoot once or twice with those uh, that eight man warrior unit? If I if I if the order dice fall right, <laughs> I shoot twice. Okay, all right. So optimally, you're trying to shoot twice, and then wham, slam them with your uh, with your eight man hearth guard unit. Correct, and and quite honestly, um, it also there it's not just the dice, the order dice available, but it's also uh, the target I'm going. If it's only a warrior unit, you only have to shoot once, and that's enough. Uh-huh. If it's in the, the opposing player's eight-man hearth guard unit, oh, no, you want to shoot twice. You want to try to right. knock out two to three of the figures before you go. Yeah, definitely. Now, um, it's interesting that uh, that you have read and played this, this army and seen the strength of it in the mounted. Um, and I looked at this army, and I saw the strength in the infantry. Um, so your, your two units of, of levy that you have in there, that's your wall, you know, your, your, your rock that the army kind of uses to, to base its maneuvers off of. Um, I just saw so many, uh, combinations with, like you said, the mixed formation and then face the barbarians, uh, where you can gain two melee dice for each unit on the other friendly unit within short. Uh, and then you even have our comrade shield as a, you know, reaction to to for defensively uh if your unit is within short of a friendly unit without ranged weapons it cancels hits as over in solid cover so i was looking at this this kind of uh, synergy of a bunch of units close to each other do you ever get a chance do you like bring up your reserves to kind of help out your uh your infantry with their numbers or what do, what do you do? do you ever take how do you take advantage of those three abilities there well, um, well, first of all, um, our comrade shields is, is really for defenders on foot only. So, mm-hmm. so the cav aren't going to get any help from that. Right. So I was saying this is for those two levy units in the center. Right. And, and, and I have played against someone who's brand, literally, um, six levy units of Byzantines against me. Oh, my goodness. Okay. And in their army was like, you know, what's that, 72 figures, and I think mine was like 44. Um, and I saw rather quickly that I don't want to engage all of this at one time. I want to buy it off and chew on a piece of it and then go after the next piece. Okay. Um, so, and then again, I can't, I just can't express well enough how well this game is designed because if you're going to go the all levy, yeah, you're going to have troops or, you know, you're going to be the man now, but it's going to be very difficult to, to use them because mm-hmm. the order dice don't favor. Right. You know, you're, you're you know, um, to move basically a levy unit using the Byzantine uh, battle board, you're going to lose. You're going to use what's called Kantara uh, Toy and Saloy. Mm-hmm. But again, it, it's based off you know two icons, the uh, you know the banner and you know, the sign of Christ. Well, those two uh, compose only roughly uh, what's it, fifty uh, percent of what can come up on a die. Yeah, yeah. So they're not by any sense guaranteed. Uh, 
And, and maybe this is a good point to get into what I think is the most important function on the battleboard for the Byzantines by far. It has nothing to do with you know direct combat. It, it, it's the one up, it's on the uh, upper right-hand corner called Domesticos. Yes, I was going to ask you about that. So talk talk to us about Domesticos. How often do you use it? Um, you know, maybe explain how you maybe use the uh, Fazileus. I might not be pronouncing that right uh, to kind of restock it a little bit. Yeah, give us give our listeners a scoop on on Domesticos. Well, Domesticos is great. This is the one thing you have for every army in Age of Vikings and Age of Crusaders. You can put up to three dice there on a turn. On the very next turn, when you pull those one, two, or three dice off, if you choose to, which I think you will, you can pick them to be any icon you want on that die. What this means as the Byzantines is you truly can plan your next turn. Every other player is rolling dice and hoping they get what they need. You're not hoping. You're getting. And that's a tremendous advantage. Now, the problem is, you know, you're playing a six-point build game. Typically, you'll have one hard card unit, which is, you know, two build points, and then everyone else will be one build point. So you're looking typically at six order dice. Uh-huh. Well, Domesticos, you know, when you, you know, you don't have to put three up there, but you want to put three or at least two up there. As the game goes on, you're going to lose order dice as your units either get destroyed or, or break or go below half for the uh, uh, warriors and levies. So in the beginning, it's easy to use. I mean, it's a block, and you have... You can do what you want to do. But again, and this is really cool to me, as the game goes on, you've got to make some hard choices. Am I willing to put two or three dice up there that I'm not going to see the next turn? Mm-hmm. Or am I going to use them right now because I need them? Even though they're not the greatest dice, I just need them. Um, again, um, to get back to the, where we started with this, um, the guy who had the six levels, he's having a hard time physically moving, getting them to do things. It's awkward. It's a big kind of blob army it looks impressive on the board, but when you realize it doesn't have the greatest offensive firepower itself, but on top of that, it doesn't have much maneuver. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, how do you need an element? One bite at a time. <laughs> right. So anyhow, Domestic Coast does, early in the game, I think, give you an advantage when you have your order dice. But once you drop below five, it, it gets hard to use. Now, it's uh, it's sister, quote-unquote, of Basilis. Yep. Yeah, Basilius, I, I think. I'm not sure on that pronunciation. But anyhow, it allows you to take uh, a couple dice that are available and put them up there. That's nice. Again, and, and you're willing to do this, but it costs to do this. It, it costs uh, one premium dice, the sign of Christ. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, you have lots of dice. But as time goes on and your dice start running out, you know, you're getting down to four or three. Do you have time to mess with all that? I, I find I don't. I, I I'm, the game, to me, in round one and two is when you know there's some serious attrition going on with both armies. And the hammer blow can make landed by both sides. Game turns three and four. Only now we're down to the nitty gritty. Both sides have landed their body wounds, and now what's left? And, and what, what can you do with what's left? Five and six. I'm sorry. I've had a lot of games. I know we played it out, but for all practical purposes, it ended by four or five. Hmm, that's interesting. But again, I tried my best to make sure game turns one and two are as bloody as can be. So you're so do you, one, another thing that you said that it's kind of an every other turn you're giving up three dice half of your half of your saga dice on one roll um, to to stock up domesticos. 
So do you find yourself doing kind of a, okay, this is my pause and take a breath turn, and then the next turn I'm going to hammer them when I bring those three dice back in? Or how, how does that work? Is there kind of a flow game, to game turn one, you're, game turn one, you miss out. Um, typically, uh, I would say almost every time. Uh, if I'm the player who has to go first, I only get three order dice on my first turn. Okay. So since I know that's a possibility I'm going to go first, I usually deploy the Byzantines away from the center of the board. Mm-hmm. I pull them back. Knowing that if I need the player to go first, I'm just going to put all three of my dice in the domestic coast. Okay. And then when, then, then when round two comes, I, I, I'm I'm coming. Uh, and that then that works extremely well. Uh, if I'm the first player, I'm still going to put three up there. And I'm going to see if I can nibble on something. Or maybe, like you said, uh, uh, you know, uh, to give you an example of, uh, of, of nibbling on something, and this is one I wanted. Uh, I was just too tempting of a target, so I decided not to put those three dice up in the domesticals. Uh, my opponent had taken a, an eight-man unit of warriors and, and, and moved, they were on the flank to begin with, and he moved them forward, and then he put them like, further to the flank. So they're kind of isolated out there. And it's, it's obvious he's putting them in a position where next turn he can move up and start clinking at my hearth guard. And, you know, I had a hard choice. Am I going to send my best unit on the floor to go fight them when, let's face it, his main melee forces are coming down? Mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to send that hearth guard. This, this is what I... This is this is my Counter Strike force, but I had that smaller heart start. I said, okay, okay, I can do this, and it's in the center. And I saw, okay, it's you know the first twelve inches. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll use an order die. It's no big deal. And, and it got me with like eight or something like that. And then I went and used uh, a, a, a toy, mm-hmm. which basically lets you activate a heart start for a charge. But the biggest advantage it has, it increases its armor to six. So here I am blowing in with only four hearth guards into an eight-man unit of warriors that are archers. But their their defense is three. My defense, and these are bases, is six. I mm-hmm. have practically a 50% chance on that alone of doing better. On top of that, one, in melee, I'm eight dice. Right. Four archers. Four archers. <laughs> they're, they're, they're only rolling, what, eight also? They're rolling. Yeah, they're that's true. Yeah, they that's true. They are warriors, so they're going to get... Uh, so yeah. they don't have numbers on dice, but they're at a 50% disadvantage on what they need to roll. Right. You know, I'm hitting them on a three, they got to hit me on a six. So you better believe I hit them, take a big chunk of them out. Now, I still have one word left, and I hit them another time. For all, I did not destroy that unit in the sense of took every piece off the board, but I destroyed enough to get them below four. Right. I think I might have killed six. Okay. They're done. They're not going to do anything the rest of the game. Why do I say that? It's not because the last two guys are dead. Because most people, when they get down to two on a warrior, they're not going to invest valuable order dice on it. It's right. Just, it's just there. You know, it's 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 collateral. It's just hanging around. It's fluff. So, but, and then on that, I also knew that you know, when my the, my opponent's first turn. You know, he started with six, but heck, he hasn't even taken a turn, and now he only has five order. Right, that's true. You've taken out one of his uh, order dice even before he got a chance to play a turn. So even though I tell you, like, hey, this is how I normally set up, and this is how I normally play, I, you know, I'm always looking to put you know, three dice up in Domesticos. If I see someone do something, you know, that allows me to, 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 to get knock off an order dice, 
you know that plan I just told you about? Well, you know, yeah. that's contingency. <laughs> right, right. And I, and I think that's, I think good players do that. Good, you know, good players are flexible and they, they adapt their battle plans to the enemy. Um, and it, it could be by just what that, you know, army's a, able to do. Like if I'm playing the Vikings with my Moors, I know shooting's not going to be a big part of my, uh, of my forte, but if I'm playing somebody else, I'm going to try to shoot the heck out of them. But the problem I think is like, I, I you know, like all war games, I've never won a war game, a war game by playing on defense the whole game. Never. Right. So, so again, you know, I'm not going to tell you, you know, if I got these six dice, I'm not going to invest one, maybe two, but one on some defensive ability on the um, battleboard. Mm-hmm. Typically what I'm looking for, I, I want, I want to hit and I want to hit hard. So my go-to really is that, uh, Mixed formation, if I want to activate one of the other bowmen. I'll have other units close to it, so I know I'm going to get more dice. And the other one, Anathol, Anathanatoy. Mm-hmm. Again, this means you come in really hard with a six armor class for the uh, Hearthguard uh, cavalry. And, and and that's really probably the ones I really, really, really use the most as far as when I'm on attack. And then, of course, I'll, I'll throw dice at uh, combat. Mm-hmm. Because, again, you can throw as many dice up there as you want. There's no limitation. The other battle boards, you know, below the line, you only can do it once. Once above the line, go at it. Uh, and that, that's kind of what I'm looking for. And it's really, a, I would almost say it's almost a simple way to play them. Um, I do think um, of the armies I've played and played against, and, and I've mostly played Byzantine, but I think the Byzantine army is an easy army to play. If you're a new player, I would highly recommend it. Oh, Okay. That's interesting that uh, I always try to figure out which armies are good to give us loner armies. And so that's interesting that this is a easier army to play. Um, I wasn't sure how it would fall because you're pretty much the only person playing the Byzantines in our Saga Ohio group. Again, it's like you, and you, you mentioned it and mentioned it properly. You have so many battle board abilities which are defensive. Mm-hmm. So the offensive part, I think, is harder to do, but the Byzantines naturally are better at defense. Where I've seen this really uh, help me. Uh, so let, let's say I've got a unit already. And I've just, you know, the turn before I, I activated, I used mixed formation, I shot shot one of the guys, my opponent's uh, units up. And he doesn't like it, you know. Of course he doesn't like it. And so usually what's their, you know, what's the opponent doing? He doesn't like something and doesn't want to see it happen all day long. Where, where, where's that killer heart start? I'm going to go charge that and wipe it out. Right. So in came the heart start. And uh, so I played, you know, based the barbarian. Of course, the levy got fully max, but it didn't go below six, so I still got my. Then on my turn, well, we're not going to let this go another turn. Then my big unit of first guard, which is fresh, by the way, hits that. Again, I've got cab pieces on the flanks. And the center is, like you said, is the rock. It's, it's, it's my anchor. So I, as easily as I can take the cab units and use them to outflank people or, or, or rouse some archers that are off too, too far from support, I can just as easily turn back and support the levies hard and fast without having to spend a lot of ordinance covering terrain. So, right. Again, it's a very... I'm going to space it. You put infantry in the center, cavalry on the side, a little bit of cav in the back is reserved. But this is the most basic <laughs> formation of any ancient army. <laughs> I don't know what it is. <laughs> You're right. I mean, it is very basic. And uh, I, I was just thinking the, the, the offensive capabilities of, you know, the, of, of those two levy units also. And I, I, I agree with you. Using that mixed formation to sting them, especially if they think, oh, okay, they're nothing, a couple of levies, they're just going to sit there and not do anything. I mean, you can hurt them hard with that. 
Um, so there's a couple other abilities that, that seem very similar. It looks like one is on your turn and one's on the other turn, but maybe you can explain it how often you've used them or if you've used them. Uh, a Thousand-Year Empire and Constantinople. How often do you use these or do you use them or what's the difference? Kind of, If you could kind of talk about them maybe a little bit. Well, uh, first I'll say I have used them. Um, okay. Uh, not much, though. And, and, and it's not because it's not a great ability. It is a very good ability, in my opinion. It's just so expensive. Mm -hmm. It takes two order die to activate. You only have six dice. Right. And you're, you're using one-third for this one ability. Uh, my God, it, it better turn the game. There are, moments, <laughs> there are moments it's good that it will possibly do that for you, but most of the time... There's been times I've put the two dice on the battleboard and the way the game was playing, I just had to take them off because that situation wasn't going to come up the way I wanted. And I think with the way you buy your army, it's not optimized uh, because your warriors are your shooters, your mounted warriors are your shooters, and your hearth guard are your chargers. It's not like you have a bunch of other hammers like that. Um, you know, you're, like you said, your, your army is kind of tailored to... Uh, take a bite at a time kind of thing, not go in with the whole army and slam the heck out of them in one big turn. And I would think that that probably Constantinople uh, is more set up with, you know, general advance or advancing across the board. We're going to end up doing, you know, hopefully three Malis this turn. Yes. Yeah. You know, definitely. I agree. I'm not going to say there aren't moments where maybe you want to do that, but they're, they're, they're just not, for me, at least the norm. And Constantinople, I mean, that's the most rare icon, and it takes two of them. I mean, right. But you can do it with Domesticos. I mean, you can, you, you're pulling three down off of that. You can, you can flop it on, on uh, Constantinople, and you can even leave it there for a turn and use it the next turn. But obviously, you will probably want to use it on the turn where you're, you know, you got the most dice. If I can really lower the hammer on a unit, and let's say, you know, I got six dice, and I got Domesticos going for me. So really what I want to do, is, is I, I, I want to pick an arm, I'm sorry, a unit of my opponents who's uh, wounded in some way. Preferably a warrior or a guard unit. Uh, if it's a hearth guard unit, it's lost two to three pieces. Oh, it's definitely a target. It's a warrior unit, it's lost maybe, nah, probably still two or three pieces. It's definitely a target. And really, for me, the real, the really good one, even though it takes two dice, is anathematoid. Because I want that armor of six for the one basic reason. I don't want to take casualties. Uh-huh. Absolutely. You know, you, you know, at least when I run the Byzantines, I've got this one good heart card unit with eight pieces. I want to stay as close to eight for as long as possible. I know I'm not going to finish the game with it. I know that. But I want to stay as close to it as I want. Because like the, the one thing this game does well is it does attrition units. Mm -hmm. You fight melee. Even if you win, you will get pieces. So yeah. I hit with that, and then I go up to the combat bonus. And that's where I can take Domesticos and just load it up with the Sign of Christ icon. And they're uh, two okay. attack decks. So, I see. So I'm going to hit someone hard, as hard as I possibly can. And then if I, if I have one of those horsebow, or horsebow units, which is, you know, warrior uh, bow, composite moment, I would love to have that fire once. And if, again, if the dice are there, twice. And then I'm pretty much assured that I'm probably going to wipe out the I mean, take it off the board. Mm -hmm. Maybe lose only one or two pieces. Right. This is devastating to an opponent. They've lost an order die, 
and they've just watched a unit basically vaporize. And it's not a schmuck unit, usually. It's, it's usually a I agree, and, and that's something I try to do too, uh, is to get get to the, you know, I, for example, my Moore army that I'm playing now, I have two mounted hearth guard units, and they're my hammers, and that's what I want to fight with, and I don't want them taking casualties either. So that's why I try to do everything I can to have them, uh, have my opponent be exhausted, and then ra- use their use their fatigue to raise my armor up so that they can't even hit me. So I go in there, you know, do all the damage I can with six mounted hearth guard, and I'm taking nothing back because all their dice are useless. You know, they're all minus one, and I'm armor six. So yeah, that's that's definitely. A, I can see now where that's your better better play because those same two uh, rare dice are getting you four attack dice in the combat bonus pool, as opposed to just two from Constantinople, you know, two attack dice and yeah. two defense and dice. And Constantinople is extremely expensive, but if right. you use a lot of units, it's the better it's the better way to go. A lot of units attacking. So uh, back to that thousand-year empire, how does that work? Um, I, I had to pull out the rules, and it's very specific. It says, during every melee and shooting attack until the end of the turn, your units gain a defense dice for each attack dice gained by an enemy unit. So so when, when, when would you be getting that defense dice? Can you maybe work our uh, listeners through that scenario, how that works? Again, you know, my interpretation, and gosh, it's been a while since I actually played against yeah. my opponent. But to me, it was always that the gain, quote unquote, of dice would be the ones they gained from the battle. Okay. Yeah. Yes, you know. So, again, um, that's a, and now you've brought up an interesting concept. Um, when you're playing the game, in my opinion, you not only have to be highly cognizant of your battlefield, but you really need to know what your opponent's doing. And, and just look at their battlefield. Ask them, like, hey, I see you got to die on whatever. What, what's that do? Because right. that's really what makes, that gives any of these armies their flavor and their special ability. And that's really, I think, another strength of the game. Yeah, you know, everyone has hearth guards, everyone has warriors, everyone has levies. Maybe they don't have every combination of them, but enough. And they're very much in, in common. Um, it's the battle that really separates the armies. And, and you need to be, you know, aware of the alternatives, because that, that, that should dictate what you're taking and what you're trying to do. You know, I've oh, seen, I agree. you've seen me load up on, like, a couple times on defensive, you know, battle board dice kind of situations, order dice. So what do they do? They just shoot me. It's very disappointing. I'm going to tell you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. And I actually, um, I actually have the opponent's battle board out while I'm playing, and then I note when they're when they're done placing their dice. I'm like, okay, you've got you know Loki, you've got Odin, you've got Thor. I, I gotcha. Um, you know, so that so that you can kind of plan on how to use your defensive abilities, assuming you have some defensive abilities, you're just there taking it. There's not a whole lot you can do about it. But on your turn, you want to see what they have left on the board. What do they still have out there? What's their plan? Because some of yeah. them can just completely, you know, you know, blindside your, your, your move. I mean, they can just completely make whatever you're planning on doing useless. Um, so yeah, so, so you're right. It's, it's definitely the thing that gives the flavor to the army. And it's also the thing that gives the tactical puzzle how do you attack an opponent's army that has these particular battleboard abilities? Um, so yeah, well that's good. Um, 
So you rarely use Thousand Year Empire in Constantinople. Um, what about, uh, are there any other abilities that you use a lot or don't use much at all from that, uh, the Byzantines board? Well, again, I, I obviously, like, like everyone else who plays, I've used all of them at one time or another. Mm-hmm. But, but a lot of it is dictated by what, what situation you find yourself in. Uh, I, I don't know how to put this other than, uh, well, like, strategy, strat, I think it's strategy con. Mm-hmm. It's a big thing is it takes fatigue off you, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I found it by far mo- most useful when I'm playing one of the Viking armies, which literally has on their battleboard the ability just to drop fatigue randomly on my people. Okay. And, and what, I, what I found a player do, which was very clever, I thought, uh, you know, they, I got this one heart guard unit, right? It's got eight figures, and it's obviously what I want to thump with. And so there's, every turn, they're just dropping fatigue on Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you get up to three, you can't attack or do anything. At two, it's not that valuable because those can be played off against you. Um, and so I am looking at strategy con, strategy con to, you know, relieve that. But normally, yeah. I don't take that. So I don't want to sit here and say, you know, Here's one you'll never use. That, that's not true because, uh, again, like you said, the flavor, but also the interplay. Um, you've got to be aware of what the other person's doing. And, and, of course, as you play different armies, they're built different ways. I have personally found one of the most devious armies, and it's cool, it's within the rule, but I'm giving a bad impression, was the Welsh. Mm-hmm. They're a pain. You would yeah, think, they are. Uh, it's just, just a bunch of dudes running around the woods. No, no they're a pain. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's actually the first army I played when I started playing uh, Saga, and uh, I loved them. I mean, they are just so fun. There's so much you can do with them. They're one of those armies that, you know, you're doing things during the opponent's turn. You're not just sitting back and saying, okay, what are you going to do to me this turn? I'm waiting for my turn to counterpunch you. Uh, they They are definitely a tactically interesting army with their battle board. Yeah, and they're and they're just so different than the other. I was just going to say uh, the Strategicon. Uh, it's you know if you're facing the pagan Russ or the uh, the Anglo Danes who love to throw fatigue on the enemy. You're right. I hadn't thought about that. That's a great defense, and you can use it for any one of any one of the three dice. You just toss it over there, and especially in your case where you have just one main real hammer blow unit. Um, yeah, you've got to protect those boys. You've got to got to clean the fatigue off of them. So yeah, good point on that. I do know, uh, I played one player, and again, you know how it is. So many people played variants of the Vikings, so I never mentioned exactly But they instead went with uh, three um, uh, four-man hearth guards. Mm-hmm. And it was different, because they, they kind of, you know, to, you know, since we're buckets here, they kind of lined them up in an eye formation and just sent them in one at a time, pounding you. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, and, I'm sh- and at Go first ahead. I didn't pay much attention because, like, the first one hit the levy and, yeah, it did some damage. But, you know, the levy are 12, they are 4, whatever. But when the second one hit, oh, this is getting kind of dicey. And then when the third one hit, now that levy fell. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it was kind of perplexing to me because because this person from the get-go in the game had seven order dice and I had six. And, and again, it doesn't sound like much, but even one more order die, they, they can do a lot more. That's true. Uh, I've typically found if I if I get ahead by two or God forbid get behind by two order dice, that's the game. 
Or mm-hmm. that's the time your opponent rolls the rare and keeps rolling over and another, and then yes, rolls another yes. rare <laughs> and then rolls another rare. <laughs> I swear every time if I have a turn that I knock two of the enemy units down two order dice, that is the next, the very next turn they roll rares twice on, uh, on that ability. Um, so kind of you know, the orders dice thing. And I just, it's just, there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, and eventually it's going to come back to haunt them the next turn when they don't do that. Uh, but still, it's kind of one of those things you you can never never really plan for how the dice are going to fall. I, I, another thing I'd like to touch on um, is the warlord. Okay. Typically, I, I think it's a it's a very powerful piece, but it, it but a lot of its power uh, is in its abilities. Uh, my favorite one is the command wield. Mm-hmm. So, uh, having said that, I think it's best to them in the back as long as you can. Um, if you're actually committing them to melee, it probably is a sign things aren't going well. <laughs> you know, and I'm with you 100% on that. I My warlord is not the charger, but I've read and heard from people who that is their big hammer blow. It just, But when you lose him, not only do you lose his saga dice, you lose his wheel bay, you know, uh, you lose that determination, you know, so, I mean, it's like he's a bonus, you know, a bonus saga dice yes. at least every time. And, uh, I mean, there's the determination, so you don't have to use his saga dice, the wheel bay, you don't have to use somebody else's saga dice. Correct. Um, Correct. so yeah, I, I think, you know, people that, that lead with their warlord, it's a, to me, that's just a, a really dangerous way to go. But, you know, I understand there's some, some warlords and some abilities to make them, virtually invulnerable, but uh, I'm, I'm with it, you on that 100%. It does, but, and, again, and I hope people keep this in their mind. Um, so you got a warlord, right? And you, and you got like, you know, eight aggression die. That's great. Well, you know what? I, I can take any warrior and generate eight melee die. Right. And, and, it, and that warrior has no special abilities. And if it dies, that's not good, but not nearly as bad as the warlord. Right. So I agree I'm with you all the way. So again, to me, you know, and, and I'm not telling you I haven't used my warlord because, of course, you know, as the game goes on, it's a tight game. You know, are literally melting mine and my opponents before my eyes. Then all of a sudden, the warlord. I mean, I've seen warlords win games on game turn five mm-hmm. because at that moment they're the most powerful piece on the board as a unit. I say, especially with the second player, because then you know on that last turn, on turn six. If your warlord, you know, you charge them, you leave them kind of exposed. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> then no, there is no turn seven. Shot. It's a yeah. free shot. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. But again, I, I do think, um, and again, it's been my experience, and maybe it's because I, I think if I think hard about it, I probably played close to thirty times. Wow. Which half of them were version one? Um, the the better I became, I, I believe, the better my opponents were. Uh, I did find you didn't need all six rounds to determine. It, it just, you know, it was very rare to actually, you know, go to a fire round six. We're going to figure out who wins this thing. And, of course, those are by far the most enjoyable. Oh, yeah, definitely. But, but you know, because there's just so much carnage, you know, you know being put on your side. And, again, you know, I may have a plan what I want to do. And I, hey, this is my battle board. And, I, you know, even though I've got domestic coast and I can determine the dice, and this is what I'm going to do. My opponent can do something I don't anticipate. I don't know. That was a great plan, but you know, shove that to the side. That's not going to go. <laughs> right. Awesome. Yeah, there is definitely something to having that initial battle plan. That uh, and it may wrong foot you. It may like. There's been times I've I've deployed and 
you know, thinking, okay, this is what the opponent's going to do. And they have something else completely that I hadn't considered, you know, some ramification of their abilities on their board or the way to, to deploy and everything. I, it was just shocking. I was like, oh, that's not what I expected you to do. This is not the way I expected it to go. Um, so you got to be flexible and, and change your plans. And I know that, uh, you know, the, some, some battle boards have abilities to go two ways and the Byzantines, like you said, you can AO to say, okay, you know, you're, you're kind of hamstringing my, uh, my poor eight man hearth guard unit. I'm going to, I'm going to swat the heck out of you with mixed formation, have turn my, uh, turn my levies into, into a punch. So yeah, it's, it's good to have the multiple, ways to attack and kind of a, a backup plan, a plan to inside. Yeah. And, I, and I, again, I, I think um, it's just so cool how all these different, uh, in, in essence, mini systems work. You've got fatigue occurring. Uh, you've got order dice occurring. The order dice are linked to how many units you have and, and what state they're in. Um, one of the biggest advantages of Hearth Guard, uh, which I don't know if it's you know, notices or pays much attention to. Yeah, their units, their base units only format, you know, it's small. But to, to, deny, to deny an order die from a hearth guard, you have to kill every one of them. Right. I'm sorry. The other units just half, you know, or just barely over half. And the other units are typically, they have less armor, they're easier to kill. I mean, it's kind of perfect. You know, you don't have to kill as many. <laughs> and <laughs> they're not as hard to kill. It's really a good, good work. So you're the opposite of the uh, of the Byzantine player with the six units of uh, or six points of levy. You're you've got three points of Hearthguard in your uh, in your Byzantine unit. Right, and I'm going. And you pretty much hit it on the nail on the head. There. I'm using my strength, my attack, to basically take out. When I say take out, I'm not killing every piece in the unit, but I'm taking away the. But once I beat up one levy and get it under six, I'm not attacking it anymore. I don't care what it does. Right. I'm going on to the next. Yeah, it makes sense. So, so we were talking about all the potency of this of the Byzantines' uh, battle board. Now it's time for you to turn it around and tell me what's the biggest weakness to this army. What, what you know, if if you were facing another Byzantine army list, uh, what, where do you see their weakness? You know, where can you, how can you attack them? Well, I, I've had it done to me on more than one occasion, and I can tell you really <laughs> quickly, it's when someone. Um, finds a way to, and it's not even necessarily to destroy, but neutralize my big hearth guard cabinet of eight figures. Whether mm-hmm. they're doing it with fatigue, whether they're doing it with missile fire, uh, or, or they're just getting it, you know, they, they've, they've got me in such a position where I don't have the targets I want to hit. You know, I, I don't want to charge into an intact eight-man warrior spear unit. No. And God forbid, if it's in the woods, my army does not do well rooting people out of the woods. Mm, <laughs> good point. And, and so when I see woods, I think, oh, hey, bring up the levy and let them shoot it. That, that's all that goes through my mind. I'm not sending the cavalry because I'm losing all my advantages. I mean, I'm, you know, so much lesser. Um, and, I, and I've had people do this to me magnificently. It's just, you know, it's fun to watch in a weird way. <laughs> yeah, it's masochistic way. Yeah, watch, watch, so. watch them uh, make you feel frustrated and, and uh, impotent there. So yeah, so terrain is is a disadvantage for you, especially foot in terrain. Um, people can freeze a unit, you know, basically keep it out of the battle. Um, yeah, I, I can definitely see that being disadvantages or ways to attack the Byzantines. Now, 
what I think is most interesting, I, I always think uh, almost everyone who plays has a one, you know, uh, eight-man heart guard formation. So uh, you know, that usually is their big club to wield. Um, typically, those two clubs eventually find each other, and it's, it's mutual assured destruction at some level. Maybe they're both don't, you know, blink out to zero pieces, but they're pretty much, you know, they're done. I think then, and this is usually what happens on more, like on game turns three and definitely four, what unit are you going to to get a W? Mm -hmm. And that's where the game really gets much more interesting sometimes. Because everyone can see, hey, I've got this hammer. It's an awesome hammer. And again, we all try to protect it, keep it free, make sure it has freedom of movement so it can you know, react, be like a linebacker if it has to. Or it can be the tip of the spear if it has to. But eventually that, that, that unit gets broken or diminished. So where, where are you getting number two from? And so to get back to your original question, like, well, okay, playing the Byzantines, what do you think is a weakness? The Byzantines number two, I have to pick between either a four-man heart or a horse bone. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you right now, that's that's quite a jump down. <laughs> right. Because I'm going from, hey, I got a base of 16 melee ducks to, on either of those units, a base of eight. Right. And the and let's face it, those poor horse bowmen. They only have a defense of three. So to go in there in melee to get those eight dots, because if I'm going to shoot them, I'm only going to get four. So I, I'm gonna, they're, they're pretty much a one and done. If you take horse bowmen and you engage them in melee, you're pretty much going to wreck that unit after that. Which right. I think is, again, so cool, because historically, the armies that fought in this, these, this time period, you know, in this area, even the Mongolians, they did not take horse bowmen do melee attacks with them. They go charge because <laughs> that was not what they were built for. And if you try to force those horse bowmen to be something they're not, it doesn't go well. So really, what you're left with is this small hearth guard that only has, like you said, four figures. Um, and let's face it: once you get the four, you know small four figure unit, they're kind of fragile. They are very fragile. I agree. Uh, you, you have a bad turn of the dice, and and, and that unit could just you know cease to exist or, or again be so battered you're never going to use it again and again in my opinion um, Byzantine levies are just not good on defense they're just they're just not hmm. um, okay. you're only getting uh, uh, I think out of 12 man unit I'm only six dice with those spearmen right yeah six isn't as much as the warlord isn't as much as the the horsebowmen isn't as much as your heavy cab they're just levies this is not you know the, I, I haven't read a battle where, and I sent the levies for the, you know, coup de grace. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I still think it would be interesting. I mean, I would not say they're my next army I'm going to paint, but one day I would like to paint them. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the Byzantine, uh, you know, civilization and reading about them. I have the, the John Julius Norwich trilogy, um, oh. the three history books. Uh, have you read that, by the way? I know of it, and I've read, like, uh, the synopsis of them, which, you know, yeah, well, if, if you want to borrow it sometime, it's it's amazing. I mean, it is is one of the best uh, you know series you know like trilogies on a particular civilization I've read, uh, and uh, he does a really good job. Um, he's a great historian. But uh, so one day I want to build this army, and I w I would like to try that. I wouldn't say I would do six you know six points of levy with this <laughs> army either. I, I I agree with you that that's. You know that the, the the battle board's not set up for that, but I do believe the synergies of those abilities, and we didn't even talk about you know Acolithus, uh, you know where you can activate your two units of levies within short of each other for just one 
uh, uncommon dice, I believe that one is the the, the standard, yeah. the Draco. Um, so uh, it, you're going to be. I know that's the big disadvantage of activating a levy army, but you would still get two for one, and that could kind of. I, I would like to see how it works out and be able to use the infantry a little more aggressively, perhaps than just the walls. Uh, you know that occasionally shoot, but uh, that's interesting. So what right. what what's the, are you completely painted all the options that you want for this army now, or oh, are no. you still painting? Not even close. Um, actually, when we started this conversation, when you asked me like, "Hey, what have you been doing?" I bought some troops and I'm painting. Um, I added crossbowmen and I hmm. added Western knights. Um, I, I think the crossbowmen will be incredible against, uh, for no better term, shooting. Right. You got some Arab wars, you know, and, and the crossbow count, you can fire them once per uh, round. But, you know, they're knocking the armor down by one. And that's right. 16% in this game, and that's a lot. And they're, they're, they're going to they're gonna get their pound of flesh. Okay. Uh, Western Knights, and again, I, I, we, we I should have gone through this earlier. Um, if you take them on cab, which is what I highly recommend, uh, you can only give them one order. And they fight as warriors, but their base... Uh, Melee dice is 12. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of like a poor man's hearth guard. They're not 16, but they're greater than 16. Yeah, that's true. You give them one order. So, you know, you're going to charge your 12 inches, and you're going to hit whatever you hit, and that's all. They're, you're not going to do any fancy maneuvering. You're not going to change flanks. You're, you know, you're going to be a Western Knight. I see the enemy right. ahead of me, and I'm going to hit him. <laughs> That's true. That's a that's a good uh, good mercenary unit for you there, and that might be an answer to your secondary punch, basically. If uh, your first primary one gets gets beat up too much, um, I do. Uh, go ahead. If you don't mind me going to a little bit of a different uh, area, I, I've also played uh, back in the day with eight point. Armies. I think with eight point armies, some of these uh, legendary units become easier to take. Mm-hmm. An eight-point army. All of a sudden, I would take Beringian Guard. Ah, oh, that's right. We haven't even talked about them. Um, um, again, I, I didn't talk about them because I, I never used them <laughs> in a six-point army. But in an eight-point army, I, I have used them, and that is the way to go. Um, because you know, taking three uh, build points out of eight isn't isn't nearly as catastrophic as taking three out of six. Right. And then I think your idea of going to the infantry now. See, this builds very very well. So, uh, Ranging Guard can't hit and hit hard. Mm -hmm. And they have special abilities. And, you, know, you will. You know. Yeah, I think your idea of putting you know, two, three levy units over the Ranging Guard, you can still have some cavalry of your choice. I, I think would be a very, very potent force. Um, uh, again, um, just to play off what you're looking at there. And, and I do, like I said, I do like the uh, legendary units, but I really think at that six point build, Ah, you know, to get them up to the you know the normal eight figures, that's that's two points, and then because they're ranging guard, that's another. If you're all of a sudden at uh, three, they have killer armor. Um, you know, mm -hmm. if you don't take a heavy weapon, they're starting with six, and of course, you know, they're they're getting two attack dice per figure. So, you know, again, instead of having to use uh, two order dice just to get anathanatoi, they just they already have that ability. Right. At six. Yeah. But again, that three. Build points is just so much out of a six build point army. I just I just can't do it. Right, I haven't been able to do that either. And uh, one person in our group, Bob Boggs, again to talk about him again. He uh, he does do that. I've seen him do it with his Crusader army, and I've seen him do it with the Last Romans. 
Um, but it kind of scares me putting all those eggs in one basket, as I say. Um, so, but yeah, it's, it's interesting that the, the Varangians would be a lot more, and I agree with you, they would, I think we would see a lot more legendary units and a lot more legendary leaders if we went with eight point, um, you know, armies instead. Uh, I would say that probably we don't, I mean, have you faced in the games we've played at Saga, Ohio, have you faced a lot of legendary units or leaders? Um, with the exception of, of Bob? No, no. Yeah, I'm thinking the same thing. I'm thinking that we don't tend to use them as much in, in our group. And maybe that's exactly why. We we play the six-point. It's just not necessarily a feasible buy. Um, and, and, I, and I just so you know, I, I get why they went the six points, because it, it, it's, a, it's a quicker game. It lends itself to tournament play. And, and, and tournaments are fun. I get it. Um, mm-hmm. I also think if you start getting north of eight points, I don't think the, uh, the battle board's really built for more than eight. <laughs> right, I would agree. It's, you know, you only have eight dice still, unless they. Yeah, I know. You know <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> I mean, so you know, you know, I, uh, you know, we all go on forums online, you know, we see, and I see it argued back and forth, and uh, it seems to be more of a, if anything, a European thing to play eight point games. I was going. I could see it for a friendly game, but I don't. I wouldn't try to do it in a uh, any kind of tournament format because that's just going to make each round so long. But see, I think the funny thing is that if you, whether you think about it or not, you already probably do it in a tournament format. You just don't think about it. Because you do it when you play Magic. Age of Magic. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're, that's they, true. Their base bill is eight. Um, and I know why they did it, because they wanted people, because I, mean, I don't own the rules, but I've glanced at other people's rule sets. It's so people can get monsters on the board, which are, is one of the things that makes that game fun. Yeah. So to uh, me, the monsters are really no different than legendary. Yeah, they, they how you get them, you know, like stripping pieces off of, you know, Hearthguard to create monster units, fine. That's a little different tweak, but conceptually, the costs. Yeah, eight points allows you to have monsters, eight points will allow you to have legendary units. You know, tomato, tomato. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a good point. I actually don't even own Age of Magic yet, so I've been kind of fiercely, you know, resisting it just because there's so many of the historical armies I want to play that I want to build and everything. So there's, I, I just don't even want to go down, you know, the the path of another choice that's going to dilute my painting time <laughs> and my gaming time. So. Well, I tell you, the army, um, like you, you said, you're kind of thinking about busy teams, but the army I really, really want to uh, play one day is Mongolia. Ah, okay. You want to see see how those Mongols work with uh with all those composite bows and everything. Yes, and I, I think I think it will be a very hard army to play. To be honest, not like the Byzantines, which I think are easy. Um, but I, I think they they have this one ability, if I recall. It's basically a drummer. Mm-hmm. And it the kettle to, drummer. Yes, it allows you to move like almost you know your whole army. Right. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I would think that any Mongol player would have to use the kettle drummer. I just can't imagine, you know, not using that in the, you know, in any kind and of situation. So can you imagine having maybe like four basically horse bow units, you know, they're and you activate the you got the drummer guy, zoom, they all go out and shoot. <laughs> yeah. That, so. that could be devastating. It really could. And a lot of people don't think about that because, you know, I always think in this game it's properly done. Missile fire is nice, you know, basically you get a free hit without getting back but it's only it's a light hit you know your mm-hmm. your opponent's saving on a four versus saving on a five um but again you know if it's only one uh composite bow you're doing it it's, it's 
you know, okay, it's so sorry. But with the month, they could easily have a six point bill, have four, and be able to use all four at one time, one target. I've always thought it'd be interesting to try this, and I don't know if it's feasible, but it would require some good terrain, the proper terrain and the proper, you know, other units. But I would think it would be fun to have several units of composite bows and essentially send them running down the line, the enemy's battle line, and have them end up exhausted somewhere behind your battle lines, you know, protected by a big tough unit or whatever. And you'll just have like three or four units do that. Just circle around and spend the next turn, you know, trying to get as much fatigue off them as you can and turn around and do it again. I mean, maybe it wouldn't be effective because you'd be dinking a bunch of little people instead of taking one, one unit out. But I just think it would be really fun to try and see how that would work in Saga. Well, personally, I think that's a great idea. And, and, And I've never done it, but the reason I think it would work because I have a fair amount of faith in Saga's rules to actually, if you play the piece the way it was used historically, you'll be rewarded. Yeah, and I agree. And, and, and I know I've talked about it in other broadcasts. I, that's one thing I really like about the more, playing the Moors is I can shelter them behind my two spear units, my walls, you know, the equivalent of your levies, and send, send them out to shoot, to throw their javelins, and then come and then bring them back behind the, uh, behind the walls of the, the infantry. And I mean, when I first tried that and I saw it worked, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is great. This, you know, this really works. <laughs> and it's their historical tactic. And I was playing, uh, playing as Mike Stelzer and, you know, and he, just the frown on his face. And I'm like, now, Mike, before you say anything about this being ridiculous, this is how they fought, remember? <laughs> He's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> See, I, I do think, again, uh, you know, Tomahawk Studios really, really hit the nail on the head because, again, through the battle. Uh, but again, you can see the flare of that, that arm. Mm-hmm. And you actually, and, and, you know, these, like, again, the pieces, you know, the units are rather common, but the battle board and the few special, you know, rules they made for that, that army, that army list, it really does play like the army historically would, you know, have read it. Okay. Um, and and uh, it's, just, it's a beautiful thing. It's like, um, to me, in some ways, it reminds me of the game chess. Chess really is not that hard. You learn how to move a few pieces. You learn how to set up the board. You're off. But to be good at chess, you got to see a lot of combinations. And this right. has lots and lots of combinations. Yeah, I think you're and right on the combinations thing. It's There's a lot of combinations that uh, you can do with the battle boards that make make your army that much more effective. And, and then I know we've touched on this, it's it's not that you just memorize those two or three combinations that you know, hey, these are my winners. Um, no, no. You really got to be nimble because you got to see what your opponent's doing. Because mm-hmm. you should play to your opponent's army and to their strengths and weaknesses. So what might have worked against you know the Normans? Maybe a disaster against the Moors. I pretty much guarantee it would be. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's true. That's and, definitely and, true. And that's that's part of the fun is seeing like you know it, it's it's really not the pieces. It's not really the hearth guards or the warriors because everyone's everyone's got them in some permeation. It's it's they're there. It's it's the battle boards and a few special little nuances in the, in the army that's and you, you gotta stay on top of that because you know well, yeah, like when we go play you get like three different people. It's fun because they all have three different armies. And it those games will never play the same twice. How you want maybe the first game, if you try exactly the same tactics in the second, most likely you lose. <laughs> 
Right. That's true. And, and I mean, your, your uh, Byzantine army is just an example in itself, you know, because you have the more cavalry heavy one. And the time you played the other guy, he had the more infantry heavy one. So that is in there, too. It's, it's you know, how that person builds the army and use, to, uses that list. So definitely, uh, definitely a lot of variety, a lot of richness. I would not say I've had a lot of repeat battles that where I felt like I'd played the same battle already. Uh, everything seems to have its own flavor. Definitely. Well, I know um, when I was playing with the group, um, I, I basically just sat and Bob and I said, you know what? Let's just play each other three times in a row. Okay. No. Cool. Let's okay. just do this, you know? And we're going to play the same army list. We're not going to change anything. And we'll just kind of let it rip three times. And you're right. Those three games were so different. Even though we set up our armies exactly the same to start each one, it didn't matter. That's what interesting. What comes up on the battleboard, advantages arise in the middle of the game, how they're reacted to. Uh, no, they didn't. Anyway, I'm playing the same person, I'm playing the same army. I have the same army three times in a row. Wow, I didn't. I actually, I must have. I must have done a terrible job as my usual reporter there. I never realized you guys did that. I, I must have missed game three in there. I, maybe I left and you guys were still playing and set up another one. The, the lost battle that's not made it in my lead legionary blog. I think what happened again. You know, Bob and I kind of smirked. You you came up and you just kept thinking it was a long game. <laughs> oh, probably, probably. I saw yeah. you guys are still playing. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah so right. you're thinking, well, I don't have to worry about you know pairing them up. They're just still playing. Who cares? You know, and you moved on to other people, which is good. <laughs> and I didn't ask. You didn't volunteer. No, don't ask, no. Don't tell. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and there was a lot of fun because you know he, he does play, or that, that on that day he was playing with the later round. And it was good. It was good, clean fun. You know, I got to the cataphracts three times. So I want you to know that that's that's an experience. You know, even though oh, yeah. I played using them and, and know about them, it's still it's still kind of daunting when they come after you. <laughs> oh no, kidding! I mean, I, I've only had I've only actually to face them uh, by Bob. You know, controlled by Bob once, and uh, they were tough. I mean, that was that was I was playing the uh, Carolingians. And the only way I squeaked out a draw in that game was a turn six, you know, double move and shoot at, to, at his warlord, who was already like, I think he had a fatigue on him or whatever, and was able to put enough hits on him to actually kill his warlord, you know, to, to bring it up from me losing that game to be, it being a draw. So, yeah, they, they, that's, a, that's a tough combination. So you play, you're playing your Byzantines as Byzantines, and he was playing the last Romans as last Romans. So you had yes. a little, little civil war three times. So, so do you remember uh, what was the score after three battles there? It was two to one. Um, and then the one I lost, I remember that one the best. Um, the uh, cataphracts just, just shredded. Um, mm-hmm. Shredded a levy unit, and then I counterattacked with my heart guard. And they turn around. And enough of them survived, they turned around and shredded that. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, I just lost two units, basically. His, his one's battered, but it's still there. Right. And the rest, and then I have nothing on the board that, you know, I, mean, I played it out, but I have nothing on the board that really, you know, can counter yeah. that. Unit. I You're just right. Uh, like, you know. They've got a good, then, uh, they've got a good armor. So, you know, you, you can run your warrior horse archer unit over there and you may get lucky and kill one, you know? So yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, you know, and, and so we played it out and, and, it, went, and it went pretty bad. Um, the one thing we really haven't talked about though, because all, all the things we talked about was really kind of the concept of, Hey, I set up, you set up and, and 
and we're going to play a game, and two armies are going to meet, rob, you know, whoever wins, wins by points, you know, basically destroying other units. But there's also all the, uh, the uh, scenarios. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and I, I find it absolutely fascinating. Um, I do think, uh, getting back to me asking what, you know, what I fear is the Byzantine, there, there's one scenario, I think it involves, like, livestock, and there's three tokens, mm-hmm. or counters, mm-hmm. and they're in the middle of the I think it's feasting and pillaging, but yeah, you're right. That sounds right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, thank you. I, I don't have these things memorized. And uh, so, again, my normal setup, I told you what it was, and I tend to set up deep, just you know, so if I go first, I can just throw my three dice up in Domesticos. Okay, from there, let's go forward, right? So I, I, I do that, but when I do that in that scenario, I'm pretty much giving up those three uh, counters. Mm-hmm. The other army's just going to run forward and take them. And then I'm coming back to, like, you know, gale force wind, trying to take them back. Um, and that's where I, I find out that it, it's, you know, this is really not what the Byzantines were built for. <laughs> right. The, the Byzantine are not like you know, the glory days of the Patriots. They can be down by three touchdowns and Brady just lights it up in the fourth quarter. That's not what the Byzantines do well. <laughs> they're not a comeback army, okay. No, they're not. Like, you know, so what basically my kind of semi-defensive stance so I can build up uh, Domesticos, uh, which, you know, I might do something, but probably it will be minor. And um, that really hurts me. Uh, I also, I don't mind the one where I think there's like a wagon you're, you're guarding. Right, yeah. I, I don't mind guarding it because, again, I have a I don't mind attacking it because I have a cap. So that, that scenario doesn't bother me. And what was the other one that was played a lot? I cannot remember. There's, I know that, uh, I mean, I, in general, I like the Book of Battles. Uh, there are some, I think, are somewhat unbalanced. Um, there's one where you have to escort wagons from your side of the board to the other. I just don't, I just don't see the escorter winning that battle. Um, there's just, you know, just plop a unit in front of it, and that wastes a lot of turns, you know, getting through that unit. Um, I also don't like the one where you're raiding the village, where you're going yes. in, and and yes. I think I think that one is way balanced in favor of the defender. Um, maybe it was just the time I played or whatever, but uh, it just seems to me that the raider has a really, really tough go of it to to be able to get in, you know, strike quick enough and get out before they get slaughtered by the uh, by the counterpunch army. So yeah, there is at least the go, ones I played of that, and I'm glad you brought it up. They tend to be train heavy. Mm-hmm. And my, my calf just just no, failed. Yeah, the, yeah, that's not that's not the one they want to play either. So no, yeah. No. But again, I, I was I mean the wagon train one. I I know what you're saying. Yeah, it does favor the one uh, and you know trying to stop the wagon. But I but I still find that to be a fun. And, and uh, you know, and again maybe it's because my attitude is you know my, you know I'm looking to you know wipe out a unit per turn kind of thing if I can. Mm-hmm. I'm not too worried if someone just throws something in your pocket if they don't support it properly. Gotcha. Yeah. But again, there's a lot of ifs in there. Right. And and the other player does, and they're smart. Um, And and like you said, you do, for the other games, since you do have all these potential defensive abilities on the battlefield, you know, if you keep the Byzantine army tight, which you kind of do around the back, they're they're a tough nut to to attack. Right. Right. since you have to defend a definitive thing in this wagon train, um, 
that, that can kind of work out. And I've often thought maybe that's the, the game where you play with three left. Right. Yeah, I can um, see that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I, I like, you know, the, the different scenarios of battle mixes, where they're coming from. And then, of course, the straight-up battles. Um, again, mm-hmm. I would like to have, you know, I would love the opportunity to sit down and like, talk to the guy who designed this game. Because, again, I just want to tip my hat to him because on so many levels, we have so many things going on. Um, and it's a very, very good and robust balance of playability plus, you know, some level of risk. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's fun. And, you know, that's why I miss uh, miss our, our monthly gatherings being uh, kind of cloistered for a little while until we ride this COVID wave out. We'll, um, we'll come back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And so how many more, how much more do you have to, have to paint for the Byzantines before you go on to that next purchase? Uh, are you almost done with them? Uh, you know, it, it's really bad. If, if you know you have like what seems forever to do it, then you will take almost forever to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so I have everything built. Uh, some things are prime. Uh, some things are actually starting to put like, you know, real colors on. Is anything really done of those Western knights and those crossbowmen? No, no, not at all. Ah, okay. So that's <laughs> but, what you're working on now. Gotcha. Yes, but I did, um, and, and you probably aware of this, there was a, uh, a Kickstarter by Fireforge. And uh, it's Byzantine Cavalry. So mm. I, I did that a while back. Um, this was back when, when the pandemic was going in March. And I said, oh, I'm going to make this And they were doing uh, plastic uh, cataphracts and plastic basically heavy cab um mm-hmm. and they're, they're you know i like plastic it, it's easy to travel it's light uh, it's easy to build you know and it takes it takes paint work so uh, i did do that and i'm waiting for those to arrive oh okay so you've got another whole second wave of byzantine figures coming before yes. you get yeah, okay so you're you're going to be there doing the Byzantines for at least uh, oh, another, as the Byzantine Empire lasted for a thousand years. You'll be there painting <laughs> for a thousand years. <laughs> well, I'm going to be honest with you, Mike. I, I will get what I get done. And, and then at some point I'm going to go, you know what? Uh, I'm going to farm this out. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. And, and you look at all my I can show you. I bought this from Russia. I had this painted in Sri Lanka. Okay. And and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, especially, you know, as we get older, it's, you know, it's less, less free time, less, uh, you know, the whole eye strain thing. So I I still, I'm still at the the painting stage and I actually have never actually paid for somebody to paint an army for me. I've never done that. Now I have traded things where I got somebody's painted figures for something else, but, uh, but I've never actually gone out and commissioned and said i bought these figures here you go paint them for me but i have no no problem with people do get some on the tabletop and that's what we want well no i, I agree 100 um uh, my, my attitude and, and another reason why i'm always looking for plastics uh, plastics are just so much cheaper and since yeah. they're cheaper uh, basically let's see i have 30 cabs coming in january i spent two dollars and 50 cents roughly for each piece Mm-hmm. When the cost of actually acquiring the piece is cheap, then all of a sudden having someone paint it is not so bad anymore. That's true. That's if it's true. It's a metal piece, and I'm painting. God damn it. <laughs> it depends. I mean, I, I think that some of them are, are reasonably priced, uh, and they come out to about the two, like the two fifty you were number you were saying. Um, you know, buying Calories? individual blisters. 
That's true. Cavalry is going to be a little more expensive. Yeah, definitely going to be. Yeah, usually, usually you, know, you can find um, gripping beasts, for example. Uh, maybe somewhere between twenty-four to thirty bucks, depending on what sales being at somewhere for a pack of four. Hmm, that would be a so, little high. I tend to find better deals than that. I think. <laughs> I just, you know, I, I I'm not not a you know averse to hitting up the flea markets and seeing what's what people have for sale. Well, okay. Can, yeah, if you're going to do that. But I mean, if you're going to order from Gripping Beast directly. Right. That's and again, true. when I'm incorporating them in price, i got to ship it. Right. So, and shipping's not kind of lead. It really isn't. It's much kinder of plastic. <laughs> That's true. I hadn't thought about that. I, I'm, I, in general, I'm not a plastic aficionado, partly because I'm horrible with uh, gluing things together and uh, my, <laughs> my army would look terrible, you know, probably because from just from the gluing together part of it. Um, but, uh, so have you looked at age of Hannibal at all? Do you, is there anything in there you're eyeballing or are you kind of just kind of saying, no, I'm putting a pause on age of Hannibal till I get these Byzantines done. Honestly, I mean, I'm, the only reason I know about age of magic is because if I'm going down there and playing on the Saturday and seeing other people play, you know, glancing at the rule book, since that's kind of fallen off, I know of age of Hannibal. Mm-hmm. Um, I've looked, I've gone to the website, but do I really know anything about it? Not now. Um, okay. I, I'm sure it'll be interesting that they'll have some new wrinkle. Uh, uh, I know Age of Crusades, the new wrinkle of you know, religion, which almost mm-hmm. no one plays, which is fine. Uh, and of course, magic, you get more points, monsters, and you have magic. So I'm guessing that Age of Hannibal also has another wrinkle to it. Yeah, there's something called ruses that they add in. And I haven't seen anybody locally use them yet. Uh, but uh, they even have generic ruses on their website. You can download that are you can use for the Age of Vikings and Age of Crusades armies too that aren't particularly tailored to any one army. Um, but to me, that adds a whole other level. And so many of our times we're kind of, we're I mean in general we're kind of a new group still. Um, you know, relatively we've been around for a couple of years playing it here. Uh, so um, I'm not in any huge hurry to use the ruses myself. I, I did read about them, um, so I mean, lightly. And the first thought I had is, well, why couldn't you just put them on the battle board? Right, and then that's what they look like to me. They look like battle board abilities that you get for free, you buy ahead of time, and you plan and use up at the appropriate moment. Uh, you know, just that one more level of tweak uh, or that one more level, I mean, in, in all honesty, that one more advantage for the experienced player, you know, for the one who's really played their army a lot and said, Ooh, this, this ruse right here, that would really help my army. And I'm going to buy that. And, you know, I don't know. And I'm not so sure I'm the biggest fan of that kind of level of taking another entire level in it um, to, to make a, a very bizarre comparison. I don't, I don't know if it, it works or not, but uh Starfleet Battles is a very complicated game that I never really got into that much. And the little bit I played, once I thought I had it down, they threw in the legendary officers, which <laughs> tilts everything 45 to 90 degrees. No, and I'm just like, I played that game, and you're right. It's like, and I'm just like, forget it. Forget it. I'm done now. And I, I'm just afraid of if we start throwing ruses in there, the newer players are going to say, nope, forget it. You know, I'm not going to worry about not uh, not only what battle, battle boards the other people are throwing against me and their saga abilities, but also the ruses. I'm, you know, I'm done. You know, so so I, I'm in no hurry to use them. Let's just put it that way. Well, I, I, I found. Uh, you know, I played war game. I've been war game before. Oh god, 
decade, literally. Started as a child. And uh, the more complicated the game, the more rules there are, the more literally pages and layers there are, you always run into people. It's probably the worst war gamer out there. It's called the rules square. Oh, yeah. And you'll be playing a game, and you think things are going fine, and also now it's over. And I can do this. Huh? <laughs> right. And it's like, it's like, well, you know, it's one thing to lose because of, to someone because you know, tactics or you know, something like that. But like because they found some obscure rule, <laughs> buried on page sixty-seven, subparagraph five, set third sentence. Uh, yeah. When you said Starfleet uh, battles, that's exactly what I thought of. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's exactly what it is, and that's why that the one time that was used against me, I, that's when I basically. You know, I had Scotty beam me up, and I stopped playing that uh, that entirely. So because I, I, when they get like that, I, 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 don't think I'm playing against the player anymore. I'm really playing against the rules. Right, right. Who, who can spend the more most time figuring out all the combinations that you know that are in this huge giant tome, uh, rather than just simply, okay, what army or what ship in Starfleet Battles is this? What can it do? Now I gotta yeah. match that against me. Yeah, I just that extra layer I'm not a big fan of, so I don't know if I'm gonna be rushing to use those at any time. But, but I, uh, I honestly, though, I mean, you know, when we get back to it, and I'm sure I'm gonna see some people playing. Yeah, I never know. You know, I mean, the magic thing I was wondering about that, but when I saw they went to eight points, and, and I think you can peel off, you get a hard card, you peel off a figure or two, you're able to get monsters. That was kind of interesting. And, and I, I, I kind of liked it. Um, I'm probably the only person, again, this is only from observing, not actually playing, who thought magic would be great if it just didn't have magic. <laughs> <laughs> well, and they say that. They say you can use it to, to represent anything, and you don't even need to paint up a new army. You can just take your Saga army and, and do it. And, and it's it's really popular in some areas. Like I know the... the uh, uh, Twin Cities area up in Minnesota that they uh, it's been very popular in the last year or so um, doing that so um, yeah so it's you know I'm, I'm not going to say that you know it's wrong to play magic you know we got we have people here locally that have played it a couple times so and that are building armies oh. for it but uh, yeah some of the some of the spells are just they're they're kind of strange I mean, I shouldn't call them strange they're, some of them seem more like area effect mm-hmm. or basically put a barrier. So you, you watch people deploying units where they're doing their best to spread them out a little forward. Now, you know, I'm a big fan of orcs. I never saw orcs, you know. Okay, guys, only 20 guys per, you know, acre. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You know, spread out, you know, the, the open order skirmish right. formation kind right. of thing. Just, you know. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem organized enough no, for that, does no, it? No, no. <laughs> So. But but to play but to be successful with certain spells that that is what you should do or to defend against them. right and uh, I get that but again you know so again I, you know I I didn't play it and this is just from observing a few times and they were having a good time on on my you know oh but, yeah uh, if I played this you know really if the other player would agree to it like if we could just say hey these spells push them to the side <laughs> like we do with religion in Age of Crusaders. We're just going to push us to the side and we're going to play the rest of it normal. And I think right. the monsters are still lots of fun. And the special abilities of the units are still lots of fun. Right. Um, and to a degree, so certain tournaments in Saga, turn, certain tournaments in Saga do that too with the mercenaries and the legendary units too. They say, hey, we're just going to push these to the side and let's keep it a little more bread and butter. So, and that's, that's perfectly I, fine too. I do think, and again, um, uh, 
and I have looked at mercenary you know, combinations for the business, and I, I saw one of the most you know potent ones. Not just put Western knights in, but drop in some Turkopole, drop in some Eastern horsemen. Uh, again, it makes you very. How am I going to say? You're a Byzantine army, but you're becoming a bunch of specialists. Mm-hmm. And it works well and it works quick. It's great. But uh, to do this, I would keep my one heart guard unit with two build points and I would sacrifice one left. Yeah. And of course, I'd sacrifice the regular you know, Byzantine uh, horse bowmen, you know, the other small yeah. heart guard. Right, yeah, and just use the use the other ones for it too, and it's it's completely historical for that uh, for that army too. So. It is, and it's and, and but I think the part that kind of always worries me a little bit, um, because you don't with these mercenaries, you don't get to use all your battleboard abilities. You know, you just don't know what's going to happen in the game until it happens. Right, and mercenaries, you know, there's there's bonuses at the end uh, when you're counting up points for destroying them, so you could end up on the wrong side of uh, your opponent yes. getting a few no, extra points. So that's always something to worry about, too. Because when, when you use mercenaries, you, you know, you want them to be some uh, quick strike and get, get out of dodge and not take many casualties, which, right. which I kind of think the, the, the Turkopoles definitely have that ability to do that, and the Eastern Horsemen do. Uh, the Western Knights, not so much, but... I, again, they have such a, a pretty hard hitting ability. Gee, I, I, you know, as long as you pick the right target for them, uh, God knows they're linear. They can only be moved once, twelve inches. <laughs> right. Yeah, they are indeed. They are. They are the Normans. You know, the, basically the Norman knights that you've hired to come over and uh, and and fight in your ranks. So, so I, I but, totally, like I said, I, I see. Okay. When you cross armies from Age of the Vikings with the Age of Crusaders, they seem to mix okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how that would work out with Age of Magic if you didn't drop magic from it. You couldn't just play Byzantine versus, let's just say, Orcs or something. Right, and I'm not in a big hurry to play that either. We have so many other combinations of things we can do out there. I, I think that, and we have a big enough group that we don't have to worry about that. It's not like we only have four players, and one of them's got an Age of Magic arm, the other three got historical ones. So we're we're fortunate in that regard. We have a, a nice player base uh, that we don't have Again, to worry um, about that. I think that's the coolest thing, and I'm really appreciative that you started up this group because, like I said, way back when, you know, with historical two times in a row, played this game relentlessly. Each time came back to Ohio, it's like, oh, I can hear the crickets. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, and actually, about? actually it was Andy and uh, Andy Swingle and Steve Phelan who really started the group and did the sure. legwork. And then once they got it started, I started doing a lot of recruiting. Uh, so, I mean, that's been my main contribution is recruiting, you know, being the battlefield reporter with, uh, with the lead legionaries blog and uh, kind of trying to, you know, publicize it a bit uh, and get more people in so you know that's well, that's a, that's about it but, um, yeah again it, it's 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 hard at least i think it's hard to introduce uh, a new game uh, to a community of gamers they, they have go-to games they want to play right right and, you know and we're lucky in here we have kind of a, a historical base of the 15 millimeter ancients players when we played dba that and that's been a lot of the people that i've, re- I've reached out to are, are those people and they and they've kind of uh, responded very well to, to to playing Saga, so that's that's a good thing. We're we're very fortunate in that regard. Um, so, 
like, oh, I recognize these people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. A couple people said, yeah, I know that guy. We used to play DBA together. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I may, may not have always known the name right away, but like, oh, I know you. <laughs> yeah, so, well, we've been going for about an hour and a half, so we should probably close it out. Sure, uh, sure. Otherwise, people are going to have to go take another shower after listening to this broadcast. It's been so long. <laughs> well, hopefully I didn't bore them. No, no. I, I thank you very much for coming out and uh, talking saga with me. I appreciate it, and I look forward to when we can get together in person and uh, you know I can uh, play a game against those Byzantines, see how they work. Sounds awesome. Hey, thank you for the invite, giving me a chance to uh, you know voice some opinions, and I realize they're just opinions. I'm sure other people have other ways of playing, and that, that's cool too. All right. Well, thank you very much, and I uh, hope to see you soon. We'll do. Take care. Bye. You too. Bye. Mm-hmm.